Hello, and welcome to the Kaj. I'm your host, Timber Smith. Yes, another week, another great guest, and another week that was really awesome. So, you know, I'm just going to start off the show. You know, usually I say a little something about what's going on this morning. Because, you know, we, we record in the mornings. And um, this morning, what I want to say is last night was amazing. Got a chance to go to Oshkosh's Jazz Fest and the vibe. Oh, my God. The vibe of Jazz Fest was just so amazing. Um, it felt good. Like people were just enjoying themselves. People were dancing in the streets on Main Street. Um, you could sit in your lawn chair. You saw people that you maybe haven't seen in a while. Like there was a really good community of people that were out. And I just want to give a shout out right away, right off the bat to whoever those organizers were of Oshkosh's Jazz Fest. Y'all did a great job. Y'all made it feel real good. And I know that the weather didn't necessarily agree with y'all. And y'all had to move in and out, in and out. But I still think it was amazing at the end of the day. So shout out to Oshkosh's Jazz Fest. Okay. We are going to, well, we're not going to waste time. And let me just say what I always have to let y'all know. And I, I don't know. I don't know why I get such amazing guests. It just is what it is. I get amazing, amazing guests, and this week is no different. So this week's guest is... Oh, we're going to do that again. Angie Lee. Yes, these 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 mess-ups happen every once in a while, Angie. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I got the double horn. You got the double horn. Well, one you know and a half. One and a half. Well, that just means that you're... you're a guest and a half better. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, and we're going to do something really different this morning um, to kick off the show. So, um, Angie, please. Timber, thank you. Um, it's great to be here. I'm so flattered and honored and humbled. Um, I'm going to, um, I'd like to start this podcast with a land acknowledgement. And it's something that um, the DEI committee for the city does um, to start each meeting. And um, we introduced that last year as a way to symbolize and acknowledge the lands that we um, inhabit. And so um, I'm, I'm not going to read the one that we do through DEI, but um, just kind of out of a genuine place of um, gratitude. So Timber, we're gathered here on the lands that were originally inhabited by the Menominee and the Ho-Chunk Nations. We're so deeply grateful for their stewardship, their wisdom, uh, the way they've loved and cared for this land. We also acknowledge that um, there are repercussions and hardships that have come from settler colonialism, and those are very complex. But we commit to we commit to practices that um, move towards a healing of this land and our relationship with this land and um, each other. Yes, that sets the energy for today. Thank you. Thank that, you. That is fantastic. Okay, we, um, Kaj listeners, I think we might have to keep a, uh, might have to keep the land acknowledgement. I think this is something we have to work on. 
Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out right away to uh, the Kosh community. Um, if I have anyone, um, our Na- Native American brothers and sisters who would like to be the person to come and record our land acknowledgement, and we'll put it in the show every show. Um, I would love that. So, shout Thank you. It's out there. Think about it. Holler at me. Uh, the Kosh at Gmail or ask the Kosh at gmail.com. All right. Timber, can you imagine if every city meeting or gathering started with a land acknowledgement? What good that would do for a community? I just think um, I'm a very energy-based spiritual person. And so I just think it sets the energy right. There's something to be said for that. And good things happen when there is good energy and balance in the world so yeah yeah I think it would be fan- brother I think it would be fantastic <laughs> I, that's why I'm like okay you know what I I never thought about it and so I just think this would be a spectacular way to kick it off um to set the energy for the show um yeah for the Kosh listeners I just think it's important so uh, I appreciate it more than you know all right we are going to are you are you well you know what let me just say this first. The Kosh is a podcast that spotlights people who have had an association with Oshkosh or the surrounding Fox Cities region. Um, Angie, can you um, please tell us a little something about yourself and what's your connection to the Kosh? Yeah. Um, I moved here in 2015. My co-partner um, had a job interview um, at UWO and the Department of Sociology. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's um, what's up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he he did well in the job interview, um, and then we came and looked for housing, and we were at Beckett's having dinner, and it was like, it was a total yes for me. And I was like, this is going to be my new place. So I moved here from Champaign, Illinois, okay. um, where I lived for 17 years, and before that I grew up um, in the north suburbs of Chicago. Bruh. Yes. Okay. So, um, I know I only learned of the term fib. It feels like a bad word. Um, <laughs> when I moved here. So, um, yeah, I see how, I see how us Illinois people are viewed. <laughs> yeah. I don't get no mercy. Look, I love people from Illinois, but my beef with people from Illinois is y'all drive wild. Y'all on the highway, like y'all be doing a straight eighty-five and not not even blinking an eye about it. Like in the just. parking lot, <laughs> that's where people are the most vicious. It's like people will stalk a spot, and they'll like, okay, first you have to put your blinker on, and you know to claim that spot, and and then you inch forward, and it's just it's it's intense. Like it, people be fighting for parking in, <laughs> in <Chicago>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, we uh, we had someone who kind of broke down um, why Chicago driving is what it is. And, and, and um, they explained that they are taught to drive offensively. Yes, aggressively. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't know, you know. I'm going to be honest. I do um, – I'm trying to remember. Uh, was that Denitra? It might have been Denitra. Shout out to Denitra. Um, but I, when, she, when she said it, I was like, it makes too much sense. 
<laughs> I get it now. I get exactly why it is. So I, my my new pledge is when I see Illinois plates, I'm I'm getting ready. I'm getting offensive <laughs> too. You're on the offense. That's sure. right. Oh, okay. So yeah, um, I fell in love with Oshkosh the, the first night that I was here, and it was a total yes for us. Um, and ever since we've moved here, I've just been so grateful to be in this community. I love, I love this community so much. Yeah. Okay. And so, how long has it been now again? Okay. So this will be seven years. Seven mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm still learning so much about the culture here. Um, the way people who have grown up in Oshkosh, the way they view it versus maybe some of us newcomers. Right. It's, it's a totally different experience. Um, and so, okay, when I lived in Champaign, um, I was kind of there while there was this transformation happening in the community. Um, and just like suddenly we had an influx of, um, I mean, we've always been, it's always been a diverse campus, but just like the influx with um, the different um, the different developments and research, we had an influx of um, international professionals, and um, so just it went through this like transformation. I was there for it, and suddenly like our downtown was booming, and you know like housing was just bustling, and right. um, I got to witness that. And so when I moved to Oshkosh, I felt that for here, I I really feel like we're at the beginning of something. Like some big unfolding, Bruh. yeah. Me too. And we're and we get to experience it. We get to be part of it. Yes, it is. Um, as someone who's kind of been here for a long time now, um, and watching the transformations, I do think there's, um, there's smart planning happening. Mm, um, and it's and it's appreciated that it's because it is. This is a wonderful place to be and a wonderful place to live. And uh, I just think there's very smart planning for the future and the growth because I. It, there's no way that there's not going to be growth here. Agreed. So, you know. And when you look at the people, like the organizations, the groups, the individuals who are all part of this, it's like, how can it not be amazing, right? When you just look around at the people in our community. Oh, yeah. That's, Facts. Yeah. yeah. Facts. For sure. I love the people here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, can I ask, what did you do prior to coming here? Prior to Oshkosh? Mm-hmm. So when I was when I was living in Champaign Urbana, um, I was teaching. So um, I did grad school. I did my undergrad th- at University of Illinois Champaign. I did my graduate studies there, and then I started my PhD there because um, I at one point thought I'd go into academia. Mm. Um, but while I was in grad school, I was teaching um, at an elementary school for four years, and then I taught middle school for four years. And then I went back to elementary school, but in a different position as a Spanish literacy teacher. And um, yeah. And so and and with the timing of like the birth of my first child, it worked out beautifully. And the schools were willing to work with me and my schedule. It was it was pretty ideal. All right. Are you still teaching? No, not (laughs) not my last. uh, I taught when I moved to Oshkosh, I taught for two years in Nina. And that was an experience. I have stories. Oh, you have stories. <laughs> okay. We'll talk offline. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when my son was born, I decided to take some time off. Okay. And so um, I never went back to teaching in the schools, but I'm really interested in still being a part of the conversations happening with the schools here and um, to advise and 
represent and support in whatever way. Um, and but uh, during the pandemic, I got to homeschool my children and another family's children, and that was amazing. It was like everything I've ever wanted to do as a teacher, I got to do, and it was just like flexible and fluid and just like nature-based. Oh, it was like a beautiful, our Grove School is what we called it. It was pretty magical. I heard a couple of sets of parents who did something similar to that, and that just seems like for for what was going on at that time, that just seemed like a really good thing to keep your kids up to speed and focused because that's such a huge transition to just go virtual, like boom, virtual. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm not, you know, and, and our educators, you know, they, they had enough on their plates, you know, with lesson plans and it was constantly changing and they had to change things on the line or on the dime. And so I just think that's I, I commend educators all the time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, I've reserved a special spot on my shout outs for the teachers. Always. Heroes. Heroes. Um, okay. All right. So, you know what? Now that you say you used to teach in Nina, you know, there is change happening in Nina. And I do believe in their school system. And there's things they're trying to do to recognize um, the changing demographics that are happening in Nina. And I can't say for sure, but I do know like there's they have some people hired in positions and there's there is like I'm not changing. I'm not saying they're they're knocking it out of the park and changing everything around. But there there is an a recognition and an understanding and at least an acknowledgement like that. We we've got to work at this because our pot, you know, our, our city's changing quickly. Yeah, um, to Nina's credit, when I applied in 2015 to teach there, um, they were already having conversations around growth mindset, around neuroplasticity, and our ability to change kids' minds, <laughs> literally. Um, and uh, and you know they were they they understood that, and so um, that was really cool to be a part of that. Um, but also. Um, I'll just, I think this is a beautiful story, so I'll just share it. So when I started teaching at Nina Middle School, or at Horace Mann Middle School, um, I saw a need for a safe space for the LGBTQA um, population there. And I talked to um, some people, and they were really hesitant. They were like, Angie, you can't, you can't do that. Like, you can't have the word gay out there. You can't have the word lesbian out there. Like, what if these kids get to know the, what if they start understanding these words? And, um, and so you have to, you have to kind of meet people where they are, right? You can't go from like someone who, um, is afraid to use the word gay to like this super, um, progressive space where, um, well, maybe what I'll say is like you have to kind of play you have to kind of play their game and meet them where they are. And so what it was, it was just like a safe space for kids during lunchtime um, for them to come and just hang out. Nothing um, too disruptive, I guess, is what um, a good word for it. But um, so there was a lot of hes- hesitancy. Um, I got a little bit of flack. But um, I will say that the superintendent recognized the need for that and um, acknowledged that. Um, and thanked me for creating that space. And by the end of the year, you know, like a lot of the people that were hesitant were a lot more open and saw the need. And so um, I commend them for, you know, being open-minded to um, maybe practices that they're not used to. And 
you know, I think it was a good, um, yeah, it was a really good experience for me too. That's, and then I have other stories, but yeah, I want to no, highlight that story. No, that's awesome. Um, it, it, yeah. Change happens slow in the, in the North, Northeast region. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> change, change does not happen fast. Well, in pockets, there's certain places mm, that change mm-hmm. can happen a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the, the mindset. So, you know, every, to me, every one of these uh, cities um, has its own culture to it and, and they move at the pace that they're comfortable with and they're used to. But I do think there's an, there's more acknowledgement and understanding about some of the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my observation right now. And now people are seeking out people to help them figure that out. Yeah. So how does that make you feel when, because you're someone who gets sought out. Uh, it, 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 it's been known to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. So do you find it to be a burden or do you find it to be um, like purposeful and like, okay, I'm, I've been equipped. I'm equipped for this. Um, I don't think you're ever fully equipped, mm. but I don't, I definitely don't consider it a burden. I consider it. Um, I'm a person that believes that you walk your talk and you can't just complain. Like, uh, I'm a firm believer. Like if, if you, if everybody's complaining about the coach that's coaching your kids, you got to be willing to go coach those kids. I actually, when I first, when I first got into doing a little recreation soccer coaching for my daughter, Mm -hmm. it was because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there was opinions is what we will say about the the coaching or the coach at that time. And it was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk smack if I'm not willing to get out here yes. and, and coach and, and be that person. So I did. And, um, I'm this, I feel the same way about making changes. Um, there, I do believe fundamentally that the people in this region come from a really good place mm. and that, you have to have that understanding that regardless of what they don't know and ignorance and, and biases and, and all of those things at the end of the day, fundamentally they're coming from a good place and they want a good community. And if I can help, I am. Yeah. Every time, every time, if you call me, we will find a way to make time and the, and the conversation will be what it is and I'll meet you where you're at. I'm not mad at where you're at. I'm not going to judge where you're at. I'm just going, we're going to talk. Now, you may not like everything I got to say, but I am I may not like everything you got to say. And the key is that I still come, I start from a place of, but your intent is to do good things for our community. Yes. And so I can roll with that. Okay. I completely agree. I'm like just and clapping inside myself. Um, thank you. That's what makes you so amazing, Timber, is that you rise to the call each time. And, I try. Um, then, and, and, um, and it's not to say that this work isn't burdensome and it's heavy, and, but, um, but I also see it as, like, I get to participate in this, right? I get to be a part of it, Um and, and for myself, it's learning boundaries now because I think because I'm in this space, 
um, and people know that I'm a yes person. Like I get asked for everything. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Once you're known and they know and you're in and you and you're good, right? There's something to that. Um, there is a wrong way to do the work. Um, but when they know that you're good, you're gonna get asked all the time. <laughs> and that's so that's you know, it's cool. Like say no where you, you know, say no where you have to. Um, the work is so personal like it's not like any other thing like you're so fundamentally connected to the work um particularly when you're a person of color doing this work it's different right yeah. it's not it's it's not some idea in a book kind of thing like you're fundamentally living it while you're trying to help others understand it and you're trying to to be a good practitioner mm. And in my practice, it's always um, thinking about how in that moment I can connect with that person that even if we have had completely different lived experiences, what is the bridge? What bridges am I building here? What connections that even if I can't fully understand where you're coming from, right. there's some idea or something that can still that still brings us together. But yes. I agree. Yeah, people... Uh, you know, and I think that's what I fell in love with here is like, I, I genuinely feel like people love this community and are showing up in their own ways um, for this community. And it, it is, I, I feel the energy of it. And I totally, I get it. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. All right. We're going to jump into the first segment. We went hard. <laughs> went hard. It's going to be a long one. No, that's okay. You yeah. know what? This happens. There's no time limit on the cash. You know what? It is just quality content for our listeners and for the community. Yeah. And Timber, this is our first conversation, like, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation. So yeah. I'm so excited to yeah. be here. Just, I'm so excited to be sitting down and talking to you. I just want to thank you for uh, making this time. So first segment is called what in the world is going on with and what in the world is going on with is you start with that phrase and you tell us what's on your mind. So, okay. What in the world is going on with quiet quitting? Bruh. Ooh, I don't know. Look, I saw the article, but I don't know if a lot of people know what it is. So break okay. it down. All right. So, um, I guess, okay. So a video went viral on TikTok. Um, and that video was of this guy um, just kind of narrating his perspective on work, right? So it's not about quitting your work, but it's about quitting that hustle mentality, hustle, hustle culture mentality of like, I have to go above and beyond. I have to, you know, work hard um, to be successful or um, I have to, um, you know, exceed expectations. So Quiet quitting is a way of maybe even just a, a rebellious act. I don't know, is it rebellious or is it a form of self-care um, that says, like, I'm enough. Like, I do enough. And and I think it's more in that, like, corporate um, culture of, like, I don't need to enslave myself to this. So I don't, you know, like, I'm not picking sides here or anything, but I'm just, like, really fascinated by that, like, of what... Um, how this might change a conversation on like what it looks like um, as we show up for work, you know, like, and is it, and my biggest question is, is this a great momentum towards like self-care and like work-life balance? 
I think it's generational. Mm. Like our generations, uh, if you really, you know, if you go and do research about what do our generations, these these new generations care about compared to old, um, our older generations or more mature generations care about. Like it's very, the newer, newest people coming into the workforce, they, they care about their work-life balance. They care about personal time. They do self-care. Um, they care about feeling appreciated in the work that they do. Um, you know, where I do feel, and I feel like I'm in the in that middle generation where I've had a bit of both, or had an opportunity to experience a bit of both, where the other generation was like, you're lucky to have a job. And I don't think this generation feels like that. They don't feel lucky to have a job. They're saying, you're lucky to have me. Yeah. And so that just changes what the conversation For is, sure. right? Now, I'm I'm super humble, and I do feel lucky to have a job you know, <laughs> every day. So <laughs> every day I feel grateful to have the jobs that I've, uh, the opportunities that I've been given. But in the same sense, you only get one shot at this thing of life. And I do want to make sure that I'm not throwing away my opportunity, my time that was meant for me and my family and the people I love and my friends um, by just constantly grinding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I agree. I'm, I think I'm in that middle spot too, where um, I'm shifting from a place of like, I have to work to survive to I want to really find joy in what I do and I want to find purpose and find fulfillment. Um, and, and I think what an amazing, um, you know, place of history that we're in that our children, that for them work will be about creating about, um, you know, like even more, um, passionate, about what they do and um, what like, I see that as um, an evolution for us and um, uh, an evolution in our society and in our communities that um, our children are able to do that. And yeah, super exciting again. Oops, sorry. I totally oh. shook the table. Oh, no worries. <laughs> All right. My what in the world is going on with, and I'm just going to rip the bandaid off because right. I, I feel like this is, this one could go a little hard. But my what in the world is going on with is what in the world is going on with student, uh, the animosity towards student loan relief. Yeah. Bruh. No, I'm not having it. I'm not trying to hear it. I'm tired. I'm tired of people like, let's be honest. There is no government program that is meant for everyone. It's just not that it, and we, as the government, they pick and choose where they give this money away. A lot of times there's a lot of money given to those who already have money and affluency. This is one of those few times I feel like this is for the one of the few times like they're, they're, they picked a program where they're giving back and people are my taxes and my taxpayer dollars and I didn't go to school. What difference does that make? It's for the good of society. You People that went to school were trying to become better people. They were trying to become better productive people. They were trying to be more helpful. And, you know, let's, there's definitely 
flaws in the edu- the higher ed system. Um, I don't want to call it broken, but I do want to say like there's, it, you know, the whole loan cost debt thing, like I just feel like we could, we could figure out some better, better ways to do this. Um, but what's wrong for us to help those people out? I just don't get it. We've given we've given big businesses, we've bailed out entire industries, we've done this, we've done that, but for something for the people, literally, people, everyday Americans right. who went to school, right? Because mm-hmm. you cause let's, let, let me be clear about that, because here's the thing. If you were not, let's say, uh, um, let's let's just say the financial aid process for you to get federal money, um, there is definitely like not just any and everybody could get it. Like if you were not a a, uh, I don't know if citizen is the perfect word to say, but I do believe like not just anyone can get it, right? So don't try to play this game like we're just giving away random monies or anything like that. Like these were people that qualified for federal grants and that's not an easy process in its own right. Right. And then what are you complaining about? (laughs) Seriously, you know, good and well, this money was already given. So no, your taxes aren't going up because all they're doing is wiping out the money that they lent out already. And we do this stuff all the time. We give money to all sorts of stuff, foreign countries, for this, that, and another, so we can maintain good relationships. All of this stuff. I never understand why the American people, certain people, choose to complain when we do something for our own. It hurts my soul. Like, I'm not, and here's the thing. I made the mistake I moved my loans like I would love this and I'm not even going to be a one. I, I'm paying mine off because I moved my loans from the federal and I, I refinanced somewhere private because of the interest rate. Mm-hmm. So like this isn't even something I'm benefiting from personally, um, but I'm supporting those who do. Why not? Yeah, It's for a better America. Right. Just quit griping. <laughs> I don't understand. Like I'm frustrated oh. by it. And like, and I'm going to tell you now, I welcome the conversation with anyone who wants to have it. And I am so serious about that. If you want to have that conversation, come on the show. Ask the at gmail.com. Come have a cocktail with me. Whatever you want to do, I welcome it. But be prepared. That's all I'm going to say. This is one of the few things that I am fired up about because I just think it's ridiculous. We give so much money to so many other things and no one says anything. Right. Right. So much, so many other things, people who already have money. I'm not trying to hear it. If you want these problems, I'm welcome to have that conversation. I'm just saying, I'm not just, (laughs) (laughs) that is honestly where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. I think you said everything for me too on that it, but it's it's that mentality of like i pick myself off up from my bootstraps why can't you like i don't get people like that of like i've done this and it's like they don't understand that 
their circumstances were completely different, that there's, um, oh gosh, like just like cycles of um, generational wealth, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh man, Look, yeah. I and, and my other thing is, Youthful people making decisions financially who don't know any better at the time. Yeah, there is some of that. And people are like, well, you should know. Don't take a loan out of it. You got to pay it back. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know what? Last time I checked, there were some people who took out some PPP loans, and they didn't have to pay that back. And that was in the hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. But I'm not going to. I digress. Yeah. But more importantly, you know, there was a lot of people at the time there's such a focus on higher ed being your way out and up, mm. right? And if you come from a family who never had money, you don't necessarily always understand. All you know is this dream, this dream of I'm going to school. I'm going to be a better citizen. I'm mm-hmm. going to be a better resident. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a better person of society, and I'm going to add value by getting this education. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anyone who goes to higher ed, both sides, whether you're teaching it or you're a student in it, who isn't, who doesn't have a dream for better things. Right. And their dreams are what makes us a better society. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I just had to say what I had to say. I've been on this kick because there's been, there's been people out here who who are in their feelings about it. And I, you know what? Me too. I'm in my feelings too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are ready for the next segment. The next segment is word association. This is your opportunity to, um, I'm going to say a word and you tell us what comes to your mind. All right. All right. And first word always is food. Love. Oh, <laughs> bruh. Break it down. Yeah. Food has this amazing um, capacity to transport us, right? And and I think um, when I say love, it's like that energy. Like, do you also, Timber, you're a foodie, right? Can you taste love? Yes. Food? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. And it's like that loving, tender, nurturing of the food, of the plants, right? That then is medicine for us. Um, so healing would be like a second word. Um, I would choose family. Um, my mom. Yes. Yeah. I, my mom. I instantly went to grandma, Mm. like grandma and food, like that's expert level stuff. And you know, grandma never took shortcuts with it. Right. She did whatever was taught to her, whatever she learned along the way. That's how she made it. I never had a grandma meal that was ever different. Yeah. And I never had a grandma meal that was fast. I think, I think, um, the slow preparation of food is, I think foods that take a longer time to make taste better. And that's why I love kimchi and fermented foods because there's a process to it and it evolves as it's being made. And that's why I think it's healing. Oh, Oh, I could talk about food all day. I love food. I love all foods. Yeah. And I look, I'm with you on that one. There's just, um, it's the unifying factor. Yeah. As us as people, I'm always like, um, 
if you truly want to like build rapport with someone, break bread with them. Yes, that's the exact phrase I was thinking of too. Like Jesus broke bread, right? When you think of like the Last Supper, there was food involved. Yeah. Um, the symbolism of it, of it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> Cocktail or beer? Both. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, lo- <laughs> I love all things spirits. <laughs> Bruh. I'm spiritual. <laughs> like that. Oh, my God. That's so good. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> you know, I love I love beer. I love the fizziness. I love how in the summer, especially, I love the process, the fermentation. I love cocktails and all the varieties. And, oh, I, I, you know, I'm going to... Um, brag here a little bit and say I make some really good cocktails timber and I like to like add some kombucha in there and some shrub and make it like healthy what <laughs> healthy cocktails I'm I'm intrigued now okay I gotta we okay uh cash listeners you know me and you know when I hear things that I need to experience I just go ahead and ask I need an invite All I right. need an invite I'm, I I wanted to make you a cocktail for this morning. Um, and I was like kind of debating between like a really healthy Bloody Mary, you know, like with maybe like some beet juice and um, ginger. And but um, I, I didn't have enough time. I'm sorry. No, so no, no, I, no. But this is a this is a good um, open um, invitation for next time. OK, All no, right. it's thrown down. Right. I, I need this um, healthy Bloody Mary. I know where you live now. Facts. So I can drop it off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like a drive-by <laughs> drop-off. <laughs> Cocktail drop-off. Oh, my God. That And only in Wisconsin. <laughs> 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 That's so good. All right. Kaj listeners, you heard it here first. And when I get the opportunity to try this, I'm reporting back on the next episode. All right. What yeah. about you? Cocktail or beer? Oh, no. Always cocktails. Kosh listeners know Timber is a vodka and, and not just any vodka right now. I Typically, it's a Grey Goose and seltzer. Right now, I've kind of moved over to Tito's and seltzer, okay. but it's always a vodka and a seltzer. All right. I try to keep it clean. <laughs> the body body knows. The body knows. Um, okay. Next word. Streaming. All right. So um, about once a month, I'll say aloud, I need to watch more TV. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I can never participate in conversations when people are talking about like the latest shows because I have no idea. I, I really need to try to watch more TV. But um, when I do, I watch it with my children. And there's this Netflix show that I'm really into called Eden. Mm. which is also the name of my business. Um, and so it's a Japanese anime. It's only four episodes. So I watched the first three and there was a major like plot twist and I'm so hooked. I'm, I'm really into like epic kid shows, like the last oh. airbender <laughs> was like so good. And the dragon prince, I think. Um, and cause like, I love stories, right? And yes. I think kid shows do such an amazing way of like capturing those archetypes and the plots and, um, and in a way that feels safe still because it's for children. And I think that's probably like the level of suspense I can take. (laughs) 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 That's the level, huh? 
That's um, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then also I'm really into podcasts. So um, I think whatever I would be watching in TV, I, um, I spend a lot of time with headphones on listening to podcasts. What's your favorite? Uh, what are you listening to right now? Um, okay, so my favorite ones are um, On Being with Krista Tippett. She kind of talks about, um, she interweaves like spirituality into like big, um, big ideas and big topics um, and brings in just a really curated, beautiful list of guests who are experts in their field yet like have intersections with other fields and and then kind of marries in spirituality into that. So really I don't know. I, I really enjoy that podcast on being, um, but also Oprah. I love Oprah. Oh super, yes, yeah. Super Soul Sundays. That's I'd listen to that one too. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Oprah, but like Oprah is in tune. Oh, for sure. She yeah. She's vibrating at like the highest level. Yes. Facts. Um. You know, I was once on the Oprah show. What? Yeah. What? And you just you just you just saying that now? Yeah, so do you want to hear the story? Bruh. Um yeah. Okay. So, um yeah, so I'm a big fan of Oprah, right? And um just one okay, so th- this was like in my late 20s and I just came across on her website a call for um Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker's biggest fan. So there was like an open essay of like, explain why you're Sarah Jessica Parker's biggest fan and you can have a chance to win a spot on, you know, on her episode. Do you know who Sarah Jessica Parker is? Yes, yeah. I was actually, I was just watching Sex in the City, oh, the yes. movie yesterday, the, the second one. Okay, <laughs> I, okay, I don't want to diverge too much, but Sex in the City was a transformational show for me. Okay. Just like open my eyes. <laughs> So, okay, back to, um, so I wrote a little essay about how, um, all about how Sex and the City and her character in particular um, just really uh, disrupted some old narratives I had around um, sex (laughs) and feminism. And and then, so then I won a spot. So when Sarah Jessica Parker came on, I get, uh, she was launching at the time, like her own clothing and accessories line, Mm. and I got to model it. What? (laughs) seriously yeah but it was a surprise i thought i was going as a guest to just get to watch the show and then oprah called me up so she said my name oprah said my name whoa yeah oh my god that you gave me goosebumps i'm a different person because she said my name look oprah like i'm a super oprah fan like uh, you know oprah that's gee that's larger than life to me yeah, she's got a presence. She's got a presence. Okay. Um, and now we're just going to wrap up the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good, that's such a good narrative. So good. Okay. Wow. I don't even know how do we top that. All right. What are you, what are you into? What are you watching? Um, okay. So they just had the, they just released or they just did the final episode of Only Murders in the Building. And uh, that's on Hulu. Um, it's this quirky show with um, Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez and, 
you know, they're podcasters, which is part of the reason I'm super fascinated with them. And they're podcasting while they're trying to solve the murder and they're wrapped into it some kind of way. Right. Cause they're involved. And you wouldn't think like those three people, like the chemistry of those three people would make sense. Like when you look at it on paper, you're like, huh? But when you watch it, it's so good. So that, that's been like, that's my Friday happiness. Like when I get done with my day, my week, I come home, my wife knows, all right, I want to eat a little something. I want to have a cocktail and I want to watch only murders in the building. The only sad thing is I just watched the last episode. So, um, they do it in, uh, usually a season for them. I want to say it's 10. I think it's 10 episodes. So just wrapped it up and yeah. You should check that out if you've never seen it. All right. I, I jotted it down. All right. Okay. Shop local. Yeah. Um, so since I love this community, um, this is important for me, right? So I would say shop local. Um, for me, the associations are um, Oshkosh Food Co-op, um, NDC, which said that they closed their downtown um, location. Um, but then also just like thinking about supporting the local services like lawyers and photographers and graphic designers and artists. Um, yeah. Like who from our local economy can we support in obtaining services? Yes. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So do, we shop, got, yeah. do we got any favorites? We got a favorite, um, favorite local uh, service. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Megan Bartelt. Um, she's an acupuncture, um, she, she does acupuncture at Bartelt Holistic Health. Oh, okay. And so, you know, what's great about that is, um, in my, like, I've been getting acupuncture all my life, right? And so, in my mind, the picture of an acupuncturist is, like, an elder Asian person. And, like, (laughs) Megan totally disrupts that, and I love that. Oh, okay. So, um, I love... So like I I mentioned, like I love stories, right? I like think often in stories. And so for, um, I love meeting characters in my life that disrupt my old notion of like what that person needs to look like. Right. What do, what stereotypically you had in your mind, right? You had a, you had a, a a pre-picture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm not going to lie. When I think of an acupuncturist, in my mind, I think of somebody who's probably a close cousin to a tattoo artist. (laughs) (laughs) With tattoos and piercings. (laughs) Wow. What a different picture. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. And I don't even know why I think that. But, you know, it's just in my mind, it's like, it just makes sense to me. It's a needle thing. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and now there's some acupuncturists out there saying they're shaking their head right now saying timber you're you're ridiculous (laughs) i love that i love that we had completely different pictures in our heads oh yeah oh yeah yeah diversity okay so when i think of diversity i think of expansion like um I think about how not like not two of us are alike in any way, right? So, or I should say, how do I phrase that better? Um, we're all so unique, and 
there is no replica of me, there's no replica of you, we're our own individual people and ever in history, like we're here and existing in this moment. Um, so I think about expansion, like how the universe is expanding, right? And we're expanding in, in um, all the diverse fractals. So <laughs> I think of diversity that way, but then we'll talk diversity later too when, when it's my topic of the week. All right. <laughs> I love the term fractals. <laughs> okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, community. Community. Okay. Um, essential. Hmm, I like that. So I think about how we've evolved in communities, right? Like it was part of our survival to be part of a community. Um, and now... We, I mean, it's still essential. Like we can't, as so, if if we're socially isolated, um, that has major negative health implications, right? So, like they're finding that um, social connectedness is a big determinant in your wellness, your, in your health, and so um, community is essential. You you need community to survive. You need community to grow and thrive, and so. And I think the beauty of it is you can find community. In anything, right? So, like, I can find community um, with um, just so many different groups of people, like mom friends with professionals um, in my DEI space. I find community in, um, like, this, like, in the art space. Um, and just, you can, you know, like, you don't have to have just one. You can, we're, we're layered and complex, so you can have as many communities as you want. And, Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. What about you? Um, what I was going to say, and what you made me think of, and what you were talking about is like, um, there's like research on people who lived to 100 or past 100, right? And there's these, there's the, they talk about the factors that these people share. And one of them is like a community, like this group that, fundamentally you're really close to and have this relationship with and it's part of your balance it's part of what helps create your longevity mm. um and so that's when when you were talking about that and you're talking about these different types of community it just made me think like yeah if you can find that that community where you feel safe yeah where and you feel supported you're only helping your mental health, your longevity, um, and then you can help society even better. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, um, to piggyback on that, I think it's part of our nature and survival to be seen. Mm. And I think that's what community does. Is Bruh. you feel, yeah, you feel seen, you feel heard. You feel valued. You feel like you count and matter. Oh, yeah. And I think those are just like basic social needs, basic emotional needs. I don't think we can thrive without um, without those being met. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. That was awesome. <laughs> okay. That was really good. 
All right, we're just warming up. We, we really are. <laughs> we're like halfway through the show. All right, I'll tell you what. We'll take a quick commercial break. Hi, I'm Dawn Gulke, the Executive Director of Casa of the Fox Cities. Science proves that one consistent adult can change the story of a child. Could that one person be you? Become a court-appointed special advocate. Build a relationship with a child, help identify their needs, and give that child a voice in a process that can otherwise feel lonely. Contact us today. Children who have experienced abuse and neglect can't wait. Learn more about Casa of the Fox Cities at casafc.org or call Leah at 920-257-4733. All right. We are on to the next segment, and the next segment is the Kosh Hidden Gems. Okay, Angie, what do you got? Okay. I'm going to um, highlight two businesses that um, I'm really enjoying. The first one is Takisa. Um, mm. Yeah, they're tacos. Off the chain. Yeah. And the little um, condiments that you get with that, like the cucumber and the radish and the lime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just cinches it for me. Uh, they're <laughs> just good. They are. Like I've, I haven't gotten to go a lot, but um, and and... Yeah, like I'm, I'm a taco, I, I, I'm a taco addict. I got taco problems because you know I don't know what it is about a good taco, but it makes you happy. Yeah. I've never had like a taco, like if it's a good taco, it just makes me happy. There's just something about a quality taco that just says, "Hey, right now we're we're gonna make you happy as you can be," and <laughs> and I am. <laughs> so for sure, I I agree. Oh my god, yes, I love that. Um. Like, all cultures have this, um, like, that same combination of, like, something, like, meat-filled, like, and something wrapped, right? Like, yes. and some little veggies and pickles on it. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. 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 Tacos. Woo. Okay. And um, a second one is that Mediterranean grocery store oh, on yes. Burdock. So, if you are lucky enough to ever get their lahamanouche and i don't know if i'm saying that correctly but it's like flatbread with like some um red sauce and veggies and it's so delicious but it's a hidden gem like it's a you i never know when they're making it and whether i'm gonna get it that night it's like a lottery oh so like it's not a consistent (laughs) no it's just every once in a while yeah okay we're working on them they might be a guest okay yeah but okay say that again how do you say? Oh, Lahamanoush. Lahamanoush. La okay, I just want to know because I'm about that life. I want to be able to walk in there and I'm going to be like, Lahamanoush. And yes. I just, I want them to look a little crazy at me for trying to say it right because <laughs> I know I'm going to slide it. But then I want them, I want to say it right enough that they're like, I know what you're saying and we got you. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh. Timber, you know, I am so, um, like, tickled, and I, I, I just love it when people try to speak Korean to me. Oh. Right? So, like, you could take it two ways, right? Like, you could be like, you know, like, why are you trying to speak my language? Like, you're not a native. or But um, I always see it as, like, that's really sweet. Like, they're trying to cross a bridge, probably uncomfortable. Probably, you know, you're, like, making yourself vulnerable by speaking a language that you're not 
that you don't know. Um, so anytime anyone like speaks Korean to me, like I just I love it. I, it's like oh. an instant like, oh my god, let's connect. <laughs> well, to to make that effort, it shows you care. Yeah. Right. It's it's automatic. There's no ill intent in trying to do it. Yes, you're going to screw it up. And let's I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. If you've listened to this show, I screw up more people's last names and those are American. So, I mean, it's just the way it goes. Um, But you know what? They know I try. They know there is no ill will. And uh, yeah, that's just part of the learning process. What if everyone kind of like the way you give um, the way we're gracious with each other about like mistakes like what if we all just interacted like that of like hey you're just trying like you're just trying to you know find some commonality with somebody and you always give somebody that um just that uh notion and understanding that we're all just trying but isn't that yeah i feel like that's one of the like one of those rules like we fundamentally we were supposed that's what we're supposed to do like we all grow up knowing no one's perfect yeah Right. And if you know no one's perfect, then we should know that we have to give grace in those places of not being perfect. So that's just that's just how I look at it. Like it comes both ways. Like if you're going to acknowledge, hey, we're not perfect. you got to say to yourself, I'm going to be a person that gives grace when I run into others imperfections. As long as the intent is a good one. Yeah. I think intent can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next segment. What's the cash need? Okay. So um, for the last four years, I've been dreaming and visualizing. Uh-oh. Um, of Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> so when I visual, I, I, I do spend active time visualizing. Hmm. Um, and... Oshkosh is often at the epicenter of those visualizations. And so what I visualize is this, like, I mean, we're currently are a thriving community, but just like maybe um, like the next evolution of Oshkosh. Uh, I see, well, I've been dreaming of this like community space. Yeah. So like a public space where obviously anyone is welcome and there are facilities that really support, um, support the community and like having like a wellness component to it, you know, where we're serving um, foods that are nourishing and healthy to our bodies. Um, There's classes on financial wellness and, you know, holistic wellness and um, mental wellness, Um, a space where parents like professionals can go and work while maybe their children are being cared for in the same facility. Right. So like I think about all those hurdles with people, especially women who want to enter the workforce, but um, they, uh, their primary priority at the time is childcare. And sometimes that childcare can be a barrier. So a co-working space for, with childcare there and um, like a library and, you know, like a learning center. And I don't know, I, I know, like I've heard people say like, well, you have to focus on what this community center is, but I think it can be all the things for what we need. And I love the um, idea of like the dynamic um, components of it. And I think there's a model for that um, in the Fox Cities region. Ooh. Kind of. Tell me more. Um, the Goodwill. The Goodwill um, that 
Goodwill that's located, I think it's Menasha. I never know if it's Nina or Menasha. Or <laughs> but there's a Goodwill that has, like, there's they do do financial literacy out of there. Um, they have health, um, community health okay. um, right there. Um, a lot of nonprofits are offered um, office space or several, I shouldn't say a lot. I should say several nonprofits are office, uh, offered office space there. Um, and so, yeah, there's, it's not exactly what you're talking about, but it's a model which could be, and, and the good thing is like since it's based from Goodwill, who's already reputable. Right. Mm. And connected Mm -hmm. in serving the community, period. No matter who you are, um, rich, poor, um, uh, immigrant or or, or, uh, citizen or or resident or whoever, the the goodwill serves them all. Um, So there is a local model ish about what you're kind of what you're thinking, but maybe not with all of the. some of the more specific intricacy things Mm -hmm. that would be really helpful that are needed. Yeah. So I, you know, where I see some of these spaces coming up is churches. Mm. Like I think our churches, some of the ones that are vacated or not being used, I think churches can be the new community spaces. Mm. I like that. I like the new community spaces where, like they're think tanks um, where like entrepreneurs can go to kind of kick off mm. and get started or nonprofits can go and have an office space to work from outside of their home to kick their things off. I like those kind of models that um, are being created in some communities. Yeah. Like bringing together people from all different fields. And right. Yeah. I think there's really good synergy that can happen. Um, by bringing diverse people. Imagine that, diverse. <laughs> I love that word, synergy. Yes. Okay. Um, next segment, the Naughty Slash Heroes Corner. This is your opportunity to nominate something, someone, whatever. It doesn't have to be a person. It's whatever you want it to be, to the Naughty or the Heroes Corner. What do you got, Angie? Yeah. So I'm going to nominate um, some personal heroes, and those are um, the Grinds. So um, James and Geraldine Grind, um, who go by Papa Jimmy and Cha-Cha, <laughs> affectionately. <laughs> um, they are, so Jim was a, a music professor for many years, and Jerry was a music teacher in, in um, Oshkosh Public Schools. So they moved here in like over 50 years ago and um, have been married for over 50 years. And Jerry is um, native Hawaiian, um, Japanese. And so when I think about, um, when I've heard stories about how the, discri- the discrimination that she faced when she first moved here. Right. And, um, and at the time that they were married, their marriage was illegal in Wisconsin because they're interracial couple. And so I think about um, just the different trials and tribulations that they faced and how they overcame them with such, um, like with such grace and love for this community, their love for music, education, and they um, have been pivotal in the Oshkosh Youth Symphony. Um, And 
and their daughters, who are dear friends of mine, Yukiko and Miyoko, are still continuing that legacy of music education in this community. Um, and just an amazing family. The Grinds. The Grinds. Yeah. Okay. Music is too important. Yeah. Like, uh, music is like, I feel like, right right next to food as far as uh, a unifier. Mm. Like, we all have music we enjoy. And, like, let Jazz Fest be the example. When there is great music, um, people dance. People just dance, and it's a good feeling, and it's warm, um, and I love that. Okay, shout out to the grinds, awesome. Um, okay, now, oh, we're at that time. I didn't even realize we were going hard. You realize how hard we've been going? <laughs> we've been going hard, but you know what? It it is that time of the show. Every time I play that, it makes me smile. I do not know why, but it is time for the topic of the week. And, every, and most of the time, I used to say every time the topic of the week is chosen by our guest, but I'm not going to lie. I think my last episode, I chose the topic of the week. So <laughs> that has to happen sometimes if, if we miss the opportunity to connect and have a communication. But this week's topic of the week is definitely chosen by our guest. So Angie Lee. What is our topic of the week? Timber, I struggled to pick a topic of the week. Um, oh. There's so many things I'm passionate about. But Wait, you ain't got to pick one, girl. Well, okay. <laughs> and and when, it, when it came down to it, I chose um, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, because I think um, that's what I'm maybe most versed in right now. That's what I'm most... Um, uh, immersed in you are immersed i am immersed okay let's go and so are you so we're, we're gonna we need to yeah this is gonna be a, a good conversation so diversity equity inclusion um uh so i'm on the city committee i'm currently <clears throat> serving as chair um and so the committee started uh in the summer of 2020 right yes um and timber you were one of the original members of the yes. committee um, and so when I think of diversity, equity, inclusion, I think what, um, what I'd like to maybe give is just like my personal, like how I interpret it, how I live it, how I breathe it. Um, and, you know, so ultimately for me, I think, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and sometimes there's that belonging and access added onto that acronym. Um, but I see it as like the lens by which we need to live the framework by which we need to structure our policies, our um, intentions, our like how we do things has to be structured by that lens. Um, so, um, like if we were to break it down, like diversity for me, and I think the beauty is everyone has their own def definition of maybe what diversity is. And so, when you asked earlier, I said expansion. So I think of um, diversity as beautiful as um, like the way we're expressing ourselves individually and collectively and how that's ever changing. Um, and I see that as beautiful and, you know, like um, uh, 
and we see that in nature, right? So I see a lot of parallels between diversity and nature. Um, and I think every individual expression of a person, all the uniqueness of it is what makes diversity so beautiful. Um, Most I, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've, my definition of what diversity is now, I've, I've gone to like, I've, I've streamlined it and simplified it. Um, and maybe, uh, professionalized it as if that's a word. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for me right now, diversity for me is a metric to be measured. That's it. It's that simple. Like it's difference. It's difference. And let's measure it like because people are always like when they talk about the work of DEI and my belief is this, what you can't do with the work of diversity, equity and inclusion is you can't um, you can't measure it like it's some business metric because it's based on feelings mm-hmm. It's based on how you feel Um because, you know, that's that's really the, if you take all of it and you go to a place of belonging, belonging is like, how do you feel? Do you either feel like you belong or you don't? And you can't corporatize that. You can't just come up with corporate metrics for it. So but if you want to start measuring something because that's what you do and you need to report out to whoever you need to report out, then I think diversity is the perfect thing as a as a metric of measurement, because you either have it or you don't and you choose to measure it and you, and there needs to be like, people are always like, well, we can't measure it. So we don't know if you're successful. No, you're choosing not to measure it because your numbers look like crap. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's be honest. So that's what really happens. It's not that you can't measure things. You just don't want the the outcome of what that measurement is and you're scrambling and you make excuses for what it is why why your why your workforce your team isn't more diverse why you're not bringing more diverse voices into what you do you want diverse money but you can't you can't ask for diverse money and you're not willing to make a reflective work what I got yeah Timber for sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> no don't Bruh. nothing to apologize for we're we're putting it all out there right yeah. and it's 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 both yeah um, absolutely and um yeah <laughs> so you know one one other another thing I'll say about diversity is it's here like we're already you know like I see di- Oshkosh is diverse yes Absolutely. Uh, when I think about my um, daughter who in fourth grade, her fourth grade class, there it's a very diverse class, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so in 10 years, Oshkosh is going to look so different. Um, from 10 years ago, it, it does already. Right. So we're on a good trajectory. Uh, we're, we're, the, the jack is out the box. You can't put it back now. <laughs> the diversity we're, Pandora yeah, box. We're, we're changing. You know, we're changing. We uh, we're not changing. We've changed, mm-hmm. right? And there has to be an acknowledgement of that. And I always think our school system is um, is the perfect metric in which to show cultural change, right? Um, cultural diversity change. Because when I say diversity, I always like to expand that definition because a lot of times people go directly to race and culture things, right? And I don't. I I, I expand 
diversity to be, I like crocheting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't. I, I like to fish. <laughs> Things like that. Right. You know, like their diversity is just difference. It's literally just difference and everyone's different. Um, and the things they care about, what their identities are, who they are fundamentally at their core. Um, but this conversation about race and culture is a good one to have. And like that, that fundamental um, metric, because I'm big on this, right? Because people mm. always want some metric stuff. You got to look at the school system. Got to look at the school system. Um, what is the percentage, if you know? What is the percentage of students of color right now in the Oshkosh school system? I don't know. I can tell you that in my daughter's class, it's about 30%. It's 25. Okay. And that when you think about that, mm -hmm. right, that's amazing. I was just having a conversation with someone who grew up in Oshkosh here, um, and they're around my age category and they were talking about like when they went to school, there literally was like one, two kids of color and they probably were adopted. <laughs> like it was it was very, very few. And now to think that one out of four. Mm -hmm. Appleton is 36 percent. So over one out of three. Yeah. And what that also says is. Those numbers will never go backwards. Yeah. They will only grow. Mm -hmm. So the community has to acknowledge that everything in the community, the business of the community, the services of the community, the government of the community has to acknowledge what is already happened and where it's going to continue to go. Yeah. So how do we um, like set up systems now, you know, as we're preparing for that and, um, and I think that's why we're involved in the work that we are in, because we're trying to set up those um, systems in a way that's that are equitable and inclusive. I try to just have the conversations with people to, to, to say that they need to be thinking about the way that they do business or the way that they function or the way that they, they provide services. Mm. Um, and that they have to acknowledge that this is the, these are facts. This isn't a guess. This isn't what I think is going to happen. It's happened and it's going to continue to happen. That's the trajectory societally where we're headed. And all of the science tells you as such. Fact. So, you know, let's not play games. You know, you can either get ahead of things or you can be chasing behind it and always um you're i call it firefighting mm. when you're always trying to solve the next problem instead of getting ahead of it and addressing it so it would never is a problem and i think there's an opportunity i don't think we've gotten so behind that we can't address things we can't address our community our changed our changed community I try to say it's, I want to be very clear about saying it's changed already. So when you say it's changing, people think they still have time. Mm -hmm. No, time's up. Time's up. Already changed. Yeah. One it's out here. of four. It's here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Timber, like, we're both in this space. Right. Um, 
like, so the work for me then is, um, it, you know, like DEI intersects with everything, yeah. everything, right? And um, I, I appreciate that you talk about metrics and how to measure. And, and um, we see in so many different sectors like business that when businesses are more diverse that their creativity is boosted and the ideas that are coming out of those um, diverse they're, teams. They're is, more profitable. Right. Period. dollars and cents. At the end of the dates. Yeah. Those business, businesses do better. Um, so there's the business case for diversity. But, you know, like, why personally, like, why do I crave diversity? Or like, why? Because I think, you know, as humans, we're made to want to expand. And when I sit down and talk with someone who is different from me, and that's everybody, right? Everyone's different. But um, when we can converse, like, my my world is like opened up and just like I've added like another character to this story. And it's just, it's this story then is like so much richer. And I have a little bit more of an understanding of like how you grew up and how that's different from mine. And, and, but then how we're still so similar and connected. So, and I love that. I love um, how that makes me feel. I love how it makes me feel like I'm growing and expanding and opening. Um, so, yeah, when we talk about energy, it's like those are good vibes for me. Like when I'm meeting someone and it's like, man, we're, we're vibing or we're jiving and um, connecting. Facts. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> so, um, well, you're, you're doing the work. So my question to you is, how do you prepare the community for the change that's already happened? Where are those spaces that you think there's opportunity to do good work? And and if you can, which I don't want to, I don't want to apply pressure, but what does it look like? Yeah. Well, maybe I'll start with saying what I don't think DEI work should look like. This is personal. I like, like a this. Personal. So um, I think there's been like a, a lot of pushback around, around D. I think the reason why there's sometimes pushback with DEI work and we'll just for common language and understanding, we'll just call it DEI work. But um, the way it's been interwoven is like it's become this um, shame based practice of like you didn't do this right or like you're failing in this apartment or like. You know, like, and nobody wants to feel that way, right? Like, nobody wants to feel like they're doing something wrong. And what DEI work has become is, like, this um, kind of like a gotcha or, like, a punitive uh, way of, um, yeah, like, punitive. I like that word. And so, um, so I understand, like, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to feel like I don't want some someone to tell me that the way I'm I'm used to doing things is suddenly like wrong and now I'm being labeled um, maybe a sexist or you know homophobic or a racist right so like those are some really strong that's strong language and so um, you know like I, I think that a lot of firms or like consulting 
what a lot of this consulting around DEI has become like, you know, like going into a business or an organization, like doing some, um, like coming out with tests that are like, you're biased, right? Like everybody's biased. And it's true. We all are, but that's because we all have different lived experiences. Um, but you know, I think the research has shown that those like bias training is, is not effective. Um, and, uh, I, I can't like go on and on about that, but, um, you know, like, I think that when we make this work that, um, makes someone feel shame, uh, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna be effective. I think, um, for years I've said like DEI work, you know, like we've made it into like, you know, mental work or like literacy work or, um, and it, I think it really is like heart work. It's about like, it has to be about like changing people's, um, like their hearts, <laughs> opening up their hearts, um, tuning into compassion. Um, and I think like if we can center our work, our DEI work around compassion, around love and about like, hey, we're just, um, we're all like in this together <laughs> kind of mentality, then I think that could transform people and communities in the world. Facts. I love it. Yes. Uh, you share a very similar philosophy to me. Very similar. Um, all right. So y'all are about to get the big dollar stuff right now because, you know, I'm not a uh, look at it. Since you do this professionally, this is usually stuff I talk to in the. Uh, in, with with professionals about uh, changing their environments or uh, how to address their staffs and stuff like that, but I'm going to say this: what my the way I sum it up is there's three types of practitioners out here that do the work. Um, there are the educators; they know all the terms, they know all the things, right? They can tell you the, what this letter stands for and what this term means and this and that. But they are educators, mm -hmm. so they they teach well. But they're not necessarily the people who are moving the needle. They're not necessarily on the front line actually doing the work, 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 right? But they're really good at the educational portion because there is a need for those. And then there are what I call um, DEI enforcers. Those are your people that come in and they're calling out all the stuff. This is wrong. That's racist. This is your homophobe, this, that, and that. But they leave a lot of people feeling bad people who have good intentions and it's not their fault necessarily that they're unaware, ignorant, unexposed, whatever, however you choose to label that. The last person, the last people that I call those are DEI unicorns. To sum it up, DEI unifiers. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that get it. They bring in people and they are finding the ways to connect and showing them how this affects that and not no one's feeling bad at the end of the day. Like it's, a, it's about being informed, but feeling good about the fact that you're willing to make the change, mm -hmm. right. Or that you're seeking out how the, the things about the change to learn from it. And, and there's, you have the right intent, right. And they unify people. Um, they take anybody who's willing to come to the table, no matter how um, knowledgeable or, or unknowledgeable they are, and they work with everyone across the board mm. just to move community forward. 
Um, and so I, I like what you're saying. I think um, DEI work is first and foremost, like learning to take care of ourselves, right? So um, like filling our cups and um, yeah, if, if, if every single one of us knew or like could take care of ourselves and took care of ourselves, um, you know, mind, body, spirit, um, then it's like the work is being done. Right. We're um, and then but then, you know, like once we're filled, then our cup overfloweth. And that's I think the the process is like we have to fill ourselves first and that overflows to our community. And then and then that like ripples. Right. Um, And so, you know, like with the DEI committee, I'm often encouraging everyone by saying or I hope it's encouraging by saying like, look, you're already doing the work in your spaces, right? So I see like all these pockets of work, like people like faithfully serving in those spaces, like whether it's like, you know, mental wellness or like in the education system or um, like, you know, in indigenous communities, whatever it is, like wherever they're, or like, you know, in their spaces, they're doing the work and it's like, it's there's like so much going on right and it's like there's synergy and um yeah so it's like my what i do as dei work looks different from your work looks different from someone else's work but it's like there's no um you know like no one's doing it better it's like we're all just we're doing it and we're um yeah affecting change like that well i will share with you i actually had someone uh reach out to me to ask me questions about the committee. And so I think it, uh, if you can share a little bit about the community, that's a great thing. Um, I'll share where I was, where I'm at with things. And, and this is just my observation. I've been lucky enough and I didn't start in this space. This is the space that I've come to learn. And what I came to learn was this, um, and this is by working in Appleton. Um, the difference is, is Appleton has all of these amazing um, race-centric, um, diverse-focused, diversity-focused organizations that are that have been there. They're not new. Mm. They didn't just get made. Like, they've been around 20-plus years, right? And they're the ones who actually fundamentally do the work work, right? Um, and what that allows is it allows at the other levels, um, like a government committee or a local government committee to do the work because you already have these fundamental um, support systems in place to be able to work with who already are connected in the community are familiar with and their communities trust, right? Whoever they're representing. I found the challenge in the one that is trying to happen right now in Oshkosh is we're missing those those foundational organizations or even just a foundational organization to be doing the work that really a local government can't do. They're just not set up for it. Um, You know, we had, we had Oshkosh fit at one point. um, But I think there's, um, there's space, there's space for that. And I do think before we're really going to move the needle in Oshkosh, um, we need to figure out how do we help to support 
some of those kinds of organizations to come and exist, even if they're um, offshoots of things that exist regionally here, um, support them, help them grow, and then we try to move things forward um, community-wise. Because um, I just think those grassroots organizations are so important to really being the 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 foundations of change in the things that we're hoping can happen in the community. Yeah, I um, I, I completely agree, and I um, am forever grateful to Tracy Robertson of Fit Oshkosh. Um, you know, she she was a groundbreaker in this community. She tried. Yeah. She definitely put in work. Yeah. And so um, I think she um, came and really started those difficult conversations. And so when I think about this trajectory or maybe like the arc of where we are um, right now, it's like she, she came and like she broke ground. And I think seeds were planted. And so I think they're germinating right now. And... I, I definitely see, um, you know, whether it's like pockets of people or like a formal organization or whatever it is, like I think um, a lot of those seeds are germinating and we're going to start to see some things popping up. And um, yeah, and, and also just like how do we um, build up the, the spaces within corporations and within organizations, like current organizations and in all those spaces, like how do we build up that um, like that DEI pocket in, in those spaces as well? Um, what is, if you can share, <coughs> well, I guess you can share because it's public record. <laughs> it's government. You can read my emails. Wait, I've learned, I've learned, yeah. I've learned a lot since working in uh, the, the public mm, realm. Mm-hmm. Um what is the committee currently, um, what, what's the hopes in the near future? Is there anything on the horizon that's kind of in the works, if that can be shared or, you know, um, yeah, anything, anything helpful? Um, because I do think there is a true curiosity um, by, by our community about what's going on with the committee. Yeah. Um, they just, well, you know, uh, I know it's out there and I know you can go watch a video if you want to, but let's be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, people don't typically only, only the hardcore do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, this is all public. Um, currently this is, here are some of the things we're working on. Um, we are working on a strategic plan. Um, so as part of the ordinance, as part of what we've been assigned as a committee is to write a plan, a strategic plan that addresses and advises on issues of health, housing, and economic mobility. Of course, as we've said, like DEI intersects with every city department, right? Like any city function, like DEI needs and is like part of that. So, um, we've started the strategic plan with those areas of like, okay, what are some goals? What are some um, metrics behind those goals and indicators. Um, so I'll be honest, like that's not, um, my forte. Um, that's not what I enjoy, but I see the need for that as well. And like, when you talk about metrics and accountability, right? So, um, you know, so we've got the strategic plan, um, that we're working 
um, on. But we're also expanding and um, we're planning for a community event. So our first community event it's yeah. sponsored by the city and um, the... Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, our first um, community event will be um, the Oshkosh Harvest Moon Festival, and that will be September 2023. Okay. So, um, you know, like when we think of a multicultural event, okay, Timber, the first <laughs> thought that comes to me is like a middle school world expo fair. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> right, so like you have like booths of like different countries or continents, like... Yes, let's. That's that's a starting point, right? But um, how do we um, see? How do we elevate this conversation? Like, how do we bring in bigger themes and ideas and show ways through art and through music of our connections and um, like create a, a beautiful shared experience? Um, so that will be. And the Harvest Moon is especially important to me because in Korea, it's a very revered holiday. Um, it's a time of Thanksgiving, right? It's the harvest. And in Western, um, in, in our culture, like that's a time of harvest, a time of like reaping what you've sown. Yeah. So, um, and in Korea and in China, I know that like, it's like the largest migration. So, um, you know, like it's, it's like a, maybe like a two week celebration. So it's a, in, in what I've grown up with, it's like a revered um, holiday. Um, and, and also there's a lot of traditions and rituals that come with it. Um, and of course the food, right? So um, we're going to create an event. Um, we're just like in the initial planning stages of it right now okay. um, where we're bringing in like, I want to. I want to bring in the Oshkosh Police Department. I want to bring in the Fire Department. I want to bring Absolutely. in the libraries, like you know, Absolutely. like all the resources. And I want to make it a big welcoming party, right? So, um, you know, like the first week of September is, or like the first two weeks of September is like National Welcoming Week. So, how do we create a city? You know, like how do we create a feeling of belonging? Well, we make an event that's around welcoming our you know newcomers to our community. Yeah. Um, and, or and even those who have really been long time yeah. go to the community. Yeah, and that says, like, you belong here. What I like about what you're saying, I like what you're saying. I think that you, I love when you're talking about bringing in these different departments who are local government. I My thing is this. You know where what where there, the win is is in demystification. Mm. When things are explained or when things are tangible like I can interact and so the demystification of like local government for different communities people of color uh, other marginalized communities so they can just see like these are just people like me and they're here to serve us and they're working hard and stuff like that like the demystification of mm. that opportunity mm-hmm. I think it's such a win, and I and and if that's incorporated into this programming, along with, of course, food, 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 food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I just think there's that there sounds like something like you. Uh, the committee is on the right path for what they're thinking. I hope so. No, no, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, um, we've been involved with the Chief Oshkosh Project. Um, the Chief Akash statue at Menominee Park. Um, and we've also, you know, like put an input around like Dora, um, the 
current like designated outdoor recreation area. Um, so, you know, where we see that people from marginalized communities might be affected, we, you know, our part of our role is to advise right. in those, um, on those issues. Um, can, is there still space on the committee for people who might listen to this episode and say, Oh, I didn't even realize Oshkosh had this committee. Um, how can I get involved? Yeah. So, or is um, there still space or is it full? Hmm. Because I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. I think we just filled a seat or yeah, we just filled a seat and a quick shout out to Juliana. Um, I'm really excited for her to join our committee. She was like my first recruit. Um, oh. She's a college student here. And so I'm excited that we're going to have that voice represented. Did, did Juliana grow up here? Yes. Yeah, she's if I if this is the Juliana who I think it is because she was in my daughter's uh, kicking it group. I know Juliana; she done been at the crib eating food and whatnot. No. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty sure it might be the same person. Uh, <laughs> All right. right, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I think, but I think there's an alternate seat open. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, someone would just need to go to the city website and apply. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Juliana. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And that's awesome. That's good to know. Okay. Anything else you'd like to share? Around DEI or? Yeah. No. I I mean, yes, there's always going to be something, but this is a good place. You, this went hard. Yeah. It, it went did. hard. It covered a lot of ground. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, then, from here, Kosh listeners, you know what time it is. It is that time. We start wrapping it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us and sharing, um, you know, your mind. To, to listen to this conversation with us. We appreciate it always here at the Kosh. Um, and as you know, we are a work in progress. We are always looking to get better. We are always looking to include your voice. So please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out at us at askthekosh at gmail.com. Once again, that is askthekosh at gmail.com. Um, once again, the door is always open. Kosh listeners, you can send shout outs. You can send us voicemail. Let us know. You can ask us a question that we will respond to um, in a, in, you know, we are more than happy to, we just want interaction from the community. It's that simple. So if you would like to do that, our phone number is 920-385-9298. Once again, that is 920-385-9298. And you know how I always like to wrap this up. You know what? It is almost the end. I feel like we're coming to the end of farmer's market. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the best gear ever for the farmer's market. That is the Kosh gear. That is nothing says I'm local and I support local Mm -hmm. than the Kosh t-shirts and the Kosh hat. Uh, We have those available. Please do not hesitate. Reach out to us, email us, let us know if you are interested in getting one of those. And for those who have them, thank you for proudly wearing them. I see y'all 
I see y'all and I hear the good stories. You know what? Uh, if you put on a the Kosh hat or the Kosh uh, T-shirt, someone's likely to walk up to you and ask you either what is the Kosh or they're going to say, I listen to the Kosh and they're going to have something to say about that, um, which is an awesome conversation starter. So thank you again. And now... Now we're about the real stuff. This is where the good stuff really does happen. And if you don't know, Angie, let me tell you about it's my favorite part of the show. It is shout out time. time. That's right. So it's your opportunity, girl. What you got? Oh, gosh. Um, Okay, so I've got a lot. First, I'd like to give a shout out to my family, my kids, my co-parent, my partner. um, Amazing people in my life. Um, I want to give a shout out to the teachers, teachers, oh, heroes, um, they are the heroes of our community, um, good luck on this year, thank you for what you do, <laughs> um, the professors at UWO, Facts. you know, starting another year, like, um, props to them on, like, building up our intellectual capital, right, um, I want to give a shout out to people in our community that are doing really good work, like Chris Larson, um, Mayor Lori Palmieri. Mm. Um, congratulations to Marlo and Manila. They're about to celebrate their 10-year anniversary next weekend. Um, yeah, and just, oh, my friends, um, my friends Julia and Jason for always sharing your harvest with me. Thank you for nourishing me with your food. Um, I want to give a shout out to the DEI committee um, for all their hard work and um, their time and energy. And um, to Juliana, welcome to the committee. You came ready. I love it. You came ready. That's how shout outs is supposed to be done. Bring that list. Shout out everybody. Okay. That is fantastic. Okay. This week's uh, shout outs I have. I'm actually for me, my list is short, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, first of all, I'm shout out once again, the Oshkosh jazz fest committee and anyone associated with it and any of the sponsors that were there to support it just period. It was an amazing event. I had a yeah. blast me and the wife, had a great time. I danced a little bit in the streets. I saw a lot of good people there and uh, had good conversation. Like it was just for a community event. It really left me with the warm fuzzies. And that's there's a lot to be said for that. So I appreciate y'all. Um, big shout out to my partner in crime, Kayla, at the Boys and Girls Club in uh, Fox Cities. Um, you know, girl, you you be grinding do that work so i appreciate you and everything that you're doing i partnered with her for a project recently working with imagine fox cities um and let me just say she definitely played jordan while i played pippin and um i'm glad that it was as such all right um big shout out to scotty over there at jensen's thank you for always holding us down once again jensen's is becoming the church of choice for Timber and the wife. We are feeling Jensen. So thank you, Scotty, for holding us down. Um, big shout out to my man, Greg. My man, Greg, was uh, used to be living in Oshkosh. He was here for, um, for for tragic reasons. But nonetheless, he, he took a little time out of his, his uh, visit to, to visit the family. And, you know, sometimes, you know how when you, there's certain people 
in your world that like even though you may not see him for a decade like the minute you see him it all it all connects like it's not like we missed a beat like it it felt right it felt warm it felt like family it felt like a true friend so uh shout out to my man greg and um last but not least shout out to uh dr alicia johnson Big shout out to you. Uh, she was a partner in crime in this project that I did. Also, I appreciate her as the interim uh, diver- uh, chief diversity officer at UW Oshkosh. Like, she be grinding. She be doing that work. Yeah. She's just a good person. She works sure. hard. And um, just want you to know I appreciate what you're doing out here. All right. We are at the final part of the show. And you get a choice. Okay. All right. So, you get options a, B, or C. Option A is parting words of wisdom. You can share uh, some parting words of wisdom that you may have. B, you can tell us what would yourself today twelve share with your 12-year-old self. And then C, option C is both, all of the above. Okay, how are we getting now? Okay, I'm going to go with A. Um, So my parting wisdom, I'm going to quote Grace Lee Boggs, change yourself to change the world. So what that means to me is living, breathing, and imagining our highest selves, and then having that ripple out to our families, our communities, and the world. That was baller. And appreciate it. What'd you think? I was like, ah, the whole time. I was like excited and it's like a roller coaster. Love it. The, the gosh. <laughs>